Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sense of Shelf podcast. My name is John Wesley, and I appreciate you joining me. On this episode, I will be talking to my friend Ben Hunt of the Enlightened Podcast, again, about his favorite book, The Lord of the Rings. On the last episode, we were together, we spoke about the Fellowship of the Ring. So naturally, being the next episode, we will now be talking about The Two Towers. Uh, So please join us as we continue our journey to Mordor. We go through Rohan. We make a stop at Isengard. Uh, Can't forget the Fanghorn Forest, the Dead Marshes, and all those creepy lands we go through in the second half of the book. So join us in all of our mutual nerdiness and giddiness over the wonder that is Middle-earth and the Lord of the Rings as I again talk to Ben Hunt about his favorite book, The Lord of the Rings, and in this edition, talking about the two towers. So again, this is the Sense of Shelf podcast. My name is John Wesley, and I greatly appreciate you joining us. I'm joined again by my friend Ben Hunt. Uh, If you listened to our last episode together, we spoke about the first Lord of the Rings book, The Fellowship of the Ring. We're here to continue that and talk about now the two towers. How are you, Ben? I am delightful, John. I'm happy to be here. I'm having a wonderful, wonderful day. And I am so excited to just hit the ground running with the two towers. (laughs) The the sheer disappointment on your face really reminds me of my parents right around report card season. Okay, let let me gather myself. Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect that energy. All right. Um, so, it's because um, it's uh, something I never displayed at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> well, we did, but it never. It was always not re- related to the job. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about the two towers. Um, so we already talked about the fellowship. Um, we started our journey to Mordor. We hit Bree, we hit Tom Bombadil, Weathertop, all those, Rivendell, everyone who's familiar with the story knows where we went. Now we're at the Two Towers. Um, And in the last episode, you mentioned, in the last episode, (laughs) you mentioned that um, Fellowship was your favorite. And um, Fellowship was your favorite book. Two Towers was, I mean, Return of the King was probably right after that, and then Two Towers. Am I wrong in that? Uh, no, no, that's that's definitely accurate. I think that applies to everyone, because um, everyone uh, really, you know, it, Two Towers is the middle child. It's, um, it's a little um, uglier than the average one, and, and it's uh, certainly not as good as the youngest, and uh, not as... <laughs> very much attacked right now. always always a little spiteful always gotta (laughs) okay okay a little more on track um Uh, (laughs) i was gonna say but uh two towers has nothing to do with any of that two towers is very much um it's just sandwiched between um the beginning and the ending and and no one in any story at any point in time ever goes you know what i liked the middle like everyone's like, oh, the end was perfect or the way it began. It's why like we as writers 
always start either at the beginning or the end. No one writes in the middle and then writes <laughs> outwards. That's like you're killing small animals if you're into that. <laughs> um, and that's not to say it's not a great book. It's still Lord of the Rings. Um, but what is yeah, it? It's... <clears throat> is it is it missing something in particular, or did something happen that made you not care for it as much? Uh... Because I, I personally, I, I really love the Two Towers book. I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. I absolutely do too. Um, it's not, it's not that it lacks something. It is, it is, it's just kind of like the, you know, you take the the middle brownie, and then you don't, uh, you don't really eat around the edges. Like it's kind of, I don't know. It's a, yeah, fellowship has that's our a bad analogy. Fellowship has the introduction and you're learning everything. And then Return of the well, King it, has the, you know, the, the Gondor and the big battle. Yep. And you have, um, you know, the scouring of the Shire and kind of that okay. full circle. And Which um, I actually, I texted you about that chapter earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, Return of the King has a lot of my favorite moments and Fellowship has a lot of my favorite moments which is very tough for um, Two Towers because not that Two Towers is bad. Two Towers has some great scenes, but they're just not as good. Like I love, Helm's Deep is probably the most domineering part of Two Towers. Um, That being said, um, it's kind of a misnomer because the other half of Two Towers is Frodo and Sam. And Frodo and Sam is amazing. And Gollum, I'm sorry, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, and I adore those chapters. It's some of my favorite parts of the book. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I feel like um, I like the the chapter of uh, Merry and Pippin being captured. I like um, uh, the uh, sending Boromir on his way, and you know, Theoden and his hall is is cool in the books. I think they actually did um, arguably a better job in uh in the movies which is very rare when i can openly say that um and i i do actually i really love theoden's character in the movies but in the book as well i i think he's better in the books but it's it's tough when uh the actor who plays him does such a spectacular job whose name escapes me he was in titanic and valkyrie bernard hill that's yeah. his name. Yes. Um, he does a spectacular job. Oh, and it's sure. just um, the way they wrote it as kind of a, you know, an insecure king who's trying to live up to his forefathers. And in the books, he's much more of a gung ho, like, you know, um, he's uh, supposed to be the foil to Denethor, who, yes. you know, and can I, only I, see I, the end being terrible. With their names sort of mirroring each other i talked we talked about that in your show mm-hmm. how, the, how the names like the characters are related when their names are similar and theoden denethor um mm-hmm. they, and we'll talk about denethor in the next recording mm-hmm. in the next show yep um but yeah they're but they're both they're in similar roles but they're vastly different like theoden's yeah. noble and mm-hmm. you know courageous and kind and then denethor's Denethor. And that's it's the biggest thing is that um, Denethor 
doesn't see himself as a servant. Um, he sees himself as uh, like kind of the rightful king. Yes, yes. And Faden sees himself as more of a servant of the people. Uh, on top of uh, Denethor has the Palantir, so he believes that he can see the future, and he already knows the end beyond all doubt. And Faden can understand that you know the ending is probably going to end badly. But Theoden has the power to basically nut up and say, like, hey, if we're going to die here, then we're going to make it worth a song. Yes. Um, yeah, so we, we meet Theoden. I really like his character. I love, um, I don't, well, I don't want to jump ahead. Let's get back to the beginning. We start going through Rohan. Yep. Um, you mentioned Merry and Pippin's chapter when they're kidnapped by the orcs. Yeah, so, I actually, I love, um, yep, the, um, there's a it's an underrated thing that token does is the development of the orcs every time that they come up and they're like talking or he's going through orc culture mm -hmm. i'm weirdly fascinated mm -hmm. and i really i like the 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 politics of mordor and yes. isengard being played out here there's a there's a moment actually in the return of the king book that cracks me up every time i read it with the orcs they're saying like i'm gonna report you like it to, yeah, to exactly. our department. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Terry is gonna be so sick of your shit, Oglo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we get Rohan, we we meet all of them, we meet Aomer, who's uh who's a really good character, another very noble um you know, rider of the rider of the mark. You just kind of, um, a, a little too um a little too straight for um for my particular like taste as a character he's kind of i don't know his whole thing is that he argues who's more pretty like arwen or um like galadriel or whoever yeah. it was oh yeah him and gimli have that whole thing yeah and it's just kind of like two books yeah 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 as much as i really like carl urban i i think aomir is kind of he didn't really have the development he should have as a as a character in the next King of Rohan. Yeah, um, that's, that's definitely understandable. But I'm trying to think. Um, how I was gonna say, how do you feel about Treebeard? I genuinely love Treebeard, mm -hmm. both both in the movies and in the books. I will haroom haroom all day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a. Uh, that's the most defense I've ever heard for Treebeard. <laughs> and I'm not saying that like he's a he's a bad character by any means. He's he's great. I love um, for any listeners who don't know, the story is that um, Token uh, wrote the Ents and Treebeard um, based off of Macbeth. And there's a prophecy in Macbeth that ends with the play. Um, Saying that, like you know, the 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 forest will come alive and march on, you know, the evil men of whoever. And yeah. what ends up happening is that um, the prophecy comes true, but it's not the forest comes alive. It's the soldiers in one of the armies camouflages themselves with like trees and whatnot, and like twigs and leaves, and makes themselves, uh, you know. Uh, camouflaged and enough so they can like sneak up on uh, the other army so token went and saw Macbeth as a kid and he saw this moment and he was so mad 
that it ended up not being the trees fighting <laughs> that he resolved that in his own like actual yeah he said he goes i i wanted like actual trees to come alive and fight people like you know wizard of oz or something so that's when he did it his way he did it his way yep and it's very it's very in line with the world with middle earth like yeah it's not it's not so strange when you're reading it but um i do i love treebeard uh i just like his it kind of goes along with my love for tom bombadil like the, the the people who are one with nature really um i mean treebeard is literally nature um but i like his personality i like how he just finds the hub it's so quirky and weird and he's like mm-hmm. trying to understand them and learn to talk to them and learn, you know, learn to understand them and develop, like, just develop with them. And I like his, all of his appearances throughout the rest of the story. Like, his whole thing with Isengard. And Saruman, yep. Uh, I'm, I think he's a little um, long-winded in the book, where it's like he's played out a little bit longer than he needs to, just because token just really loved this character so much but i i i totally agree with you that i think that um if you like treebeard there's a 99 percent chance that like you're a real big tom bombadil guy too oh for sure yeah and that's why i'm just kind of like both of them are yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're good characters but they're not now they're not yeah. they're not taking it as uh as my favorites and and the 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 end moot and that stuff does drag on a little bit um it's it's like it's it's chapters (laughs) it is and it just seems to take a long time i i think that was the point yeah (laughs) yeah because it takes them a whole day to say hi yeah exactly we've just finished (laughs) saying good morning yeah but I, I like it. I like it as well because it gives us a lot of Merry and Pippin, who are significantly better in the books. Ooh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, I um, I love both. Truth be told, I, more towards the end of the series, there's a lot more Merry and Pippin. Yeah, I I definitely. I was going to say I think Return of the King, Merry and Pippin, is probably better. But I'd say, you know, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan did such a spectacular job bringing them to life in Fellowship, where they don't really do a lot in Fellowship, even though they're they're there a lot of the time, but they don't do, they don't have a ton by themselves. Yeah, so we get, you get a lot of them with Treebeard and like with how they grow because they drink the water and all that stuff. Yep. Um, but yeah, so... I, I do appreciate the Ents and most of that section. Not all of it, because it does drag on. That's, I, I love the March of the Ents, and I like Treebeard. I don't necessarily love every scene that he's in. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. So we make our way through Fanghorn Forest. We, find, we, we meet Gandalf again. Yeah, I... Um... I don't know. I um, there's a lot of flack that's come from like George R. R. Martin, who said like you know Gandalf really like storytelling wise should have stayed dead. And I don't know. I kind of I do agree with him to a point. I disagree with him to a point. So it's kind of tough. Um, 
it's a little deus ex machina um to have gandalf just kind of magically reappear but he does it so well yeah in again in both like it's pretty it's pretty interesting in the movie and uh and it's and it's good in the book too he's he's a little too what's the word i'm looking for where uh like he the way he did he comes back in the books how he's like he doesn't know he was Gandalf the Grey for a second, it, it seems. I, uh, I kind of like that because it makes sense. Because the whole concept is, you know, I strayed out of thought and time and each day was a life age. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very much like eons have passed and then he gets sent back. And you think of your mind expanding over a thousand years. And then you come back and it's, you know, you're trying to remember stuff that happened like in your infancy. So I kind of like that, that he does come back, but it's not like, oh, he's Gandalf the Grey and he's A-OK again. It's very much like he's grown, he's more powerful, but he's a little bit like sterner and he's a bit more um, like almost out of it. And I kind of like that better. All right. And then where do we go? Um, my biggest thing is that we should definitely talk because Gandalf makes it clear because he kind of has that speech with, um, with Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli in the woods. And he kind of explains, um, Saruman's treachery, which is, um, it's actually the original title of the two towers was supposed to be the treachery of, um, Isengard or the treason of Isengard. Um, but I... I think Christopher Lee did a did a great job, but he plays a very different character than who um, yeah, Book Saruman is. A couple times, yeah. And and Book Saruman I think is much better. And this is one of those scenes that I it still doesn't make sense to me why they cut it out in the movies. Um, where the whole thing is that he's not working for Sauron. It's he's working for himself and he's actively trying to get the ring. Yes. Because both Saruman and Gandalf are as powerful as uh, Sauron, more or less, but they're forbidden to fight directly. But Saruman is going to ignore this because once he gets the ring, he'll be even more powerful than uh, Sauron, so he can just do what he wants with the world. Right. And that's the whole thing, is that he starts out uh, working for Sauron, and then he realizes, like, oh, man, I could really run the show if I, mm-hmm. if I wanted to. So he tries to screw over Sauron, which isn't made clear in the, um, in, in the movies because they want to ramp up the, you know, everyone is really, like, they want to bring it to a knife's edge and, you know, the, the utter odds against everyone. I don't know. I think it's cooler that um, Saruman was literally just, like, a scumbag the entire time and how evil will beget evil. Yeah. Yeah, I like him, I, and I'm the same way. I love Christopher Lee in the role. I think he's incredible. Um, but Book Saruman is is pretty great. And he comes across more, like you've mentioned before, he's like, like his, it's his voice. He's got like, he's got honey on the tongue almost. Like he'll- Exactly. You believe everything he's saying, even though he's basically saying that he's gonna take over everything. Yeah, and he does. Oh man, yeah, that he's not going to. Yeah, it's um, end of two towers. That scene is is in end of two towers. 
it's not because it's re- the Return of the King movie. The opening is um, Saruman's um, speech to to Theoden, and then, and I think they they moved it up, they bumped it up a little bit because that's supposed to be at the end of Two Towers. Because I think Shelob's lair is also supposed to be end of Two Towers. Yes, in the in the book, it is Shelob's lair. Yeah, um, I. I really love that. Well, should we? We should probably do. Do you want to do Helm's Deep first? Yeah, all over the place. Um, yeah, I mean we're keeping in mild order. So, yeah. do you want to do like Helm's Deep, or do you want to talk about Frodo, Sam, and Gollum? We can. <laughs> um, we can go back to Helm's Deep because there's a part in the book. Um, actually, there's a couple parts before we get to Frodo and Sam. Um, where Gimli describes the caves, caves of Helm's Deep mm-hmm. in the book. And it's one of the most beautiful paragraphs in the entire series. It is fantastic how it's written. It's very underrated and overlooked that I, I really like that development of friendship. And they, it's two lines they could have had them talk about with Legolas and Gimli, where Legolas could have said, like, I really want to take you to the woods in Mirkwood and show you how beautiful they are. And then Gimli says, like, yeah, and I want to take you to the caves of Rohan and show you how beautiful they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I actually made a note in my book about that paragraph when I read it. I was just like, this, the, the writing is incredible. I mean, all of Tokens is, but that paragraph, you know, like, like, you want to visit. You feel Gimli's love for those caves and his reverence. Yeah, and he was probably in the middle of, like, Oxford, London, sitting in a study. <laughs> and just thinking about like oh what would beautiful caves look like yeah, yeah he's exactly. such a freaking genius that he can do it like that yeah it's 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 really uh it's really amazing mm-hmm. um there's a couple more things that happen in the book like the trees help out at the end of helm's deep the ends come yeah the hurons yep um and then you mentioned a lot saruman's speech uh when they when they arrive at isengard Mm-hmm. and they find it destroyed like Gandalf, Theoden, they all arrive there, find it destroyed we, they, they reunite with Merry and Pippin um, mm-hmm. that whole conversation with Saruman and Gandalf is really fun to read too, it's, it's so like, I, two super smart personalities just going back just, oh, they're like, so you good. pick half a dozen quotes yes. where it's you know, and he lowered his voice and he, he would have sweetened it if he could have and they all, you know, what is it? Pippin said, like, you know, he felt like a small child or a small wayward child, you know, with a, a kindly father, you know, te- like teaching him the right of things or something along those lines. Yeah. And it's just, oh, man. And then Thaden throws the, you know, we shall have peace when you hang from her gibbet for the yeah. sport of your own crows. Yeah, and all, oh, his, men, all his men are falling for what Saruman's saying. And then Theoden comes out and he's just like, no, I don't believe you. Yep. All, all his men are like, wait, what? <laughs> and even in the movie, Christopher Lee does a great job of just nailing him right in the, you know, insecurity coccyx of the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are a lesser son to greater fathers. <laughs> like, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, ouch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> even for you, Saruman. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favorite scenes, um, and it's just everything that Saruman says is just so it's perfect, and it really nails 
exactly like what he needs to be, which is just a little bit scummy. But yeah. he does it in such a way that's so convincing that everyone's like, oh, you know, that does make sense a little bit, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I do love Saruman. Your staff is broken. Yeah. I The uh, token doesn't have an organized magic system the way that like um, Brandon Sanderson or, uh, you know, J.K. Rowling does where it's like there are hard rules. Um, it's just he's a wizard. He, he can do magic. And when I feel like he can do magic, he does whatever I feel like he should be able to do. Yeah. And like, I'm just so hardcore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like that so much better than uh, anything else. Uh, um, like, you know, he can start these crazy fires, but back in fellowship, when they're trying to go over a Karadras, it's like, he, yeah, he goes like, yeah, I, I can't burn snow. Like, I yeah. can make fire really well, but I just like, you know, I can't make it out of nothing. And then later on, Saruman's shooting a fireball. And it's yeah. like, so I, um, I like that token just kind of, you know, flies by the seat of his pants. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, before we before we go to the second half with Frodo and Sam, um, in the last the last episode we did on the Fellowship, I asked you your favorite characters. You mentioned you said you had three, four if you included villains, but we never got to the villains. Um, so let's talk about some of them. I assume your fourth character would be Saruman in that question. Yeah, Saruman is definitely. Um... He's one of my favorite characters. I think he's a fa fabulous villain. Um, Bilbo, Gandalf, and Sam are probably my three for my favorite you, characters. You went, um, you went, oh, for the, well, you went Bilbo, Aragorn, and Gandalf. Yeah. Um, Fellowship, I really like Strider Aragorn. Later on, he kind of becomes more like Kingly Aragorn, which is like great. It works for the story. But I think Strider was a cooler character, yeah. and it's like Sam in the in Fellowship is is very good and he's very loyal and I like him. But every single one of Sam's best moments is in Two Towers or okay. from Two Towers and on, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but what about? Let's talk about some of the other villains, um, like the the ones we've met so far. You see Saruman. We we meet what Sauron is. Mm -hmm. the 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 idea of Sauron mm -hmm. um uh, like a, how do you like which villains do you did you like which ones don't you like thinking of like Wormtongue uh, where I think Wormtongue's great because he's kind of a villain kind of not but he's just a super giant worm which is perfect um I I do like his his final yeah. appearance <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, Scumbag. Weird. Now that we're getting to, um, I also I consider Denethor very much a villain, and I will I will extrapolate on that in the next episode because I despise that character. It's um, a long conversation that I'm going to have. I don't I don't know if I would say a straight up villain maybe an antagonist, but I would say that's different. Oh yeah. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. That makes sense. But I like if, if it's black and white heroes and villains, he he's, he's villain to me. I, I despise that character <laughs> so badly. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, I'm not getting into it now because this is another, that would be like a whole podcast just on Denethor. Um, we get a lot of Gollum in this one. I was going to say, so I think my favorite character, you really push comes to shove in the entire series. It might be Gollum. I just, I think Gollum is so perfect. He really is just, he's, he is wildly original. He, he's dark. He's menacing. He's creepy. He's tragic. Uh, he, he's smart. He, uh, he's a threat, but not a threat at the same time. I, there's every scene that Gollum is in is spectacular. His yeah. speaking patterns are great. His descriptions, some of the most beautiful uh, writing Tolkien has ever done is uh, when uh, Gollum actually questions whether he's doing the right thing or not. And yeah. when they're on the stairs to Kirithungal and he, you know, if uh, Frodo had awoken in that moment, he would have saw, you know, uh, an aged hobbit who had long outlived his years or something along yeah. those lines. And it's, you know, it really is this beautiful, beautiful moment wrapped up in this really dynamic, ever-changing character that is iconic for a reason. So many layers, so many layers to him. And you're right. Anytime, Absolutely. Anytime he's talking with his, you know, his two personalities, Smeagol and Gollum, anytime mm -hmm. he's talking amongst him, like just with himself, it, like it's great dialogue between the two. It's, it, it really is fabulous. Um, me and Ellie yesterday, actually, were, we were arguing over um, what our favorite like Gollum look was. And whether or not like the uh, Andy Circus version nailed it, if like that's exactly what Gollum should look like or not. Please do not tell me you might choose the look of Bakshi's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not choose. He just looks like an emaciated child who's got like four hairs on his head, and they're all like, "Who's giving him a haircut?" Where it's all the exact same length. And he's just got this like cartoon evil Smurf face, and then this really menacing voice, and it really yeah. doesn't add up. We also really didn't play up the fact that he tries to haul at one point, which is hysterical because he's moving at a cool two miles an hour, yeah. and then Sam just full on goes, "I've got him!" Yeah, and Paul tackles him to the ground, this bag of bones, and then his reaction is just. Yeah. And the dopey Sam in that cartoon. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree that Gollum is probably one of the best written characters you experience in the series, if not the best. I, um, would, I would definitely say so. If and, not, uh, I, I will be writing an essay on uh, Gollum is the greatest character in modern fiction. I beat you I to it. <laughs> did I, did, you actually? I, I did one this semester. I wrote... I didn't write that he was the best character. I wrote that he's he's neither hero nor villain. Mm. Like he's he's that morally gray character because he's treacherous, but everything he does leads to the end. Yep. Like he, it, everything backfires that he's trying to do, and it actually helps the story. <laughs> if he was even mildly competent, <laughs> yeah. Sauron would have won. <laughs> but he, he's so layered. Like you, when you're introduced to him the way he's described and the way you see him in the movies he's he's emaciated he's scrawny he looks dead already 
but then he's wildly strong. He's he's yep. taking on two hardy hobbits at once. Yep, and winning. Yes, exactly. Um, and he's not like he's not the. He's been living in a cave for what five hundred years, yep. and he's like he's still super smart, mm-hmm. even in the condition we meet him in. Well, he's, hey, he's what's his favorite food? What's that? I said, what's his favorite food? Uh, fish. Yeah, guess what fish is? Brain food. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting those, those omegas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people play chess. He does goblin throwing. Yeah, he just eats He's got to be sneaky to do that. So that's, you know, keeps his no, mind sharp. Yeah. <laughs> All about the fish. No taters for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I, I but he, he's he's so well written and such an interesting character. Yeah, it's uh it's very downplayed uh in the in the Peter Jackson movies. They left out the part in the fellowship where uh Gandalf basically says that Gollum's eating babies. Like he's absolutely <laughs> uh he's a murderer and he eats children. He is yeah. a menace in Mirkwood which is full of spiders and the necromancer. And they're like, this thing's a problem. Yeah. He has survived a lot. <laughs> and, and in fellowship, Gandalf's just like, yeah, he's got a part to play. We won't, we won't worry about him. <laughs> he's uh, what's he outfoxes Gandalf and Aragorn. Yeah. And Aragorn is acknowledged as the greatest hunter in yeah. this age. Yeah. When they're, when they're um, going down the Anduin, uh, he keeps yeah. getting away. Aragorn says he keeps trying to catch him and keeps failing. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's just, there's so many moments that he has, uh, you know, uh, we didn't talk about it with Fellowship, but, you know, um, when Gandalf is doing Gollum's whole history and how he had the ring, I mean, first of all, his history is, is perfect. I think the, there, there's a really beautiful um description of just a a tragic character who had a burden that was simply too much for them yeah where it's like yeah and everything had Smeagol not been caught in this cog of Sauron's machine you know Smeagol would have just been like the village ass like it's he might have like you know at 50 he might have calmed down a little bit and been a nice guy but in it like instead he gets caught up and yeah as you put he goes yes from no murder to yes murder (laughs) instant he sees the ring which is yeah there's there's a point to be made there (laughs) he wasn't exactly great (laughs) no yeah that's a nice ring can i see it and now i killed you (laughs) yeah well you know it's uh well let's not argue semantics but um in, uh, in that description that um, Gandalf goes into for, for Gollum, is, uh, he has the line, uh, you know, he, he leaves his family. And as he's, you know, wandering towards the Misty Mountains to his cave, um, he says, you know, he, uh, something burned the back of his neck when he was in a pool uh, or fishing in a pool. And then, you know, he realized it was the hot sun. And uh, he said, from that point on, you know, it burned his eyes. 
So he, he lowered his eyes and, you know, his thought and uh, eyes were uh, forever downward after that. And it's just a, it's a good, like, wow, what a perfect way of like, he just cast everything was down. He like just physically hunched and always looking down. Yeah, no, it, it, his whole story, everything about that character um, is probably the, probably the best the best history and everything in the whole book. Um, and when you have a lot of him, it, it makes the book so much more interesting to read. The whole second half of this book is basically him, Sam, and Frodo. As a kid, I always loved, uh, yeah, I want to I read about Helm's Deep and the Rohirrim and all the cool battles. As an adult, it doesn't even compare. I don't care. I Give me my Sam, Frodo, and Gollum. Because it's so much it, like it. Oh, it's so interesting. It's edgy. It's kind of a thriller thing. You really don't know when Gollum is going to throttle them. Yeah. Like at any point in time. And it's just in the dynamics between Sam. And, and I, I don't think that Peter Jackson did a great job of making it kind of a love triangle about Frodo more than the ring. And um, I, I, I don't think that you needed to have that moment where like, you know, Frodo's like, oh, leave me alone, Sam. <laughs> yeah, he added that whole thing on the stair. Yeah, which I thought was a bit overdramatic. I didn't, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Sam's whole thing is that he was loyal and he was never going to leave. Though I do love the the, the meme of uh, Sam finding the lembus at the bottom of the hill and just crying and crushing up the lembus <laughs> but it, that that whole part is very much out of character for both of them really um because yeah. sam even if that happened sam would refuse to leave and frodo yeah. had the same love for sam if yep. uh, well close to it uh, <laughs> um and so frodo never would have told him to go either no, and, and Frodo uh, no, knew exactly what Gollum was. I think that, that's a major point in Peter Jackson's thing, is that, like, I don't think that um, Elijah Wood is a dumb guy by any stretch of the imagination. I think that the, the version of Frodo that he plays is a good 20 to 30 IQ points lower than book Frodo, which is, I think in these moments, that's kind of telling, where yeah. it's like, oh, like, who do I trust? The murderer yeah. <laughs> or the nicest guy that's ever lived? <laughs> Who do I trust? This emaciated thing that keeps hissing at me or yeah. my loyal friend who I've known my whole life? <laughs> this thing that I knew tried to murder my uncle in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, or Sam. So, and I get it. They're trying to like play out the power of the ring and it's like a drug and, you know, yeah. Yeah, doesn't work for me. Yeah, the, the I mean the the ring party, like it kind of does make sense, but going by the book, it just it, it it's so out of character and not even remotely what you think would happen. I think it's uh, it, I would argue it's out of character for the movie version of of Frodo too. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So they they're on their journey. What do we see with them three? I was going to say, we, we should probably, yeah, the Dead Marshes, there are a couple of moments 
elements in in Token's writing that are just he invents these kind of very original concepts of like setting that I absolutely love. Uh, you know, the Shire is obviously iconic. Bree is great. You know, Rivendell is very beautiful. Blah blah blah. All of that pales in comparison to I love the idea of it's an abandoned dwarf mine with yeah. a devil inside of it and it's infested <laughs> with goblins and they have to try and sneak through because it's the only way it's just and it's this you know Balin tried to retake it so it's this old scenes of battles and what a fabulous setting for any writer to yeah. just sit down and yeah, write write something cool there um, I think Dead Marshes falls into that category too of just wow what a creepy thing that you need to get through yeah, and you, you see the dead in the water. I think most of their journey is probably along those lines with like the creepy things they go through. Even before we meet Gollum, where they're like blindly going through fog and climbing down these cliffs and retracing their steps. And it, it, it's unsettling. There's something that's just unsettling that. about yeah. it to me. And then they when they when we do see Gollum, he's crawling down the face of a cliff upside down like, like a up. spider yes oh my god it's oh it's i forgot so all about that until just now it's a, it's a fabulous introduction in both the book and in in the movie mm-hmm. i i really think that they did it they nailed it um i just wish like um he was like Gollum was a little bit more menacing looking i think is where because they wanted to make him like a little um uh, uh, more tragic and a little bit more relatable. So they made him look a little bit more human or a little bit more Hobbit-like. And I want him to look like a freaking devil creature. And that's, if anyone hasn't seen, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, I'll post later. There's a, uh, there's a scene uh, that Alan Lee paints of uh, uh, Gollum is about to murder Sam. And it, Gollum is the most creepy, haunted-looking version of Gollum of all time, and I really like that one. Yeah, you, one of you, one of the copies of the book you have has a pretty creepy Gollum on it too. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like yeah, not the, um, That's the very much so. That's the uh, it's the I have the completed. Um, it's like a twelve hundred page Lord of the Rings all in one book, and they have the Alan Lee's illustrations every like 10, 15 pages. Yeah, neither, neither, like the Peter Jackson one and um, the Bakshi, I don't think they really nail uh, Gollum at all. I think Peter Serkis's is just more ubiquitous in um, today. Andy, Andy, Andy Serkis. Sorry, yeah, I, Peter Jackson. Um, I don't want you to get angry emails. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I, think, I think his is more just ubiquitous in today's world. Mm-hmm. that like like that's what you picture now when you think of Gollum the the big mm-hmm. eyes the menacing teeth hissing at you and yeah. just looking around but even in the books he's just like they all like different groups just keep calling him the black thing so yeah. and he's like super just pale and gray in the movies and that's kind of um they play I think Peter Jackson uh, went along the lines of like first of all it needs to look like Andy Serkis um, second of all, it, it's like, oh, well, if a human was in a cave for, you know, 500 years, well, they're going to be pale because they don't, don't see the light. But I'm like, okay, that makes sense to a degree. But I like to think that there is some kind of like almost um, like venom uh, thing 
that goes along with the the ring kind of twists you and molds you into this this creature that you aren't anymore uh, yeah you've you know, been in possession and, of it for so long yeah so there are more like physical attributions and like a like uh, token mentions multiple times that he's this dark creature but he'll also mention like pale hands at, at different points um so i i don't know um i think i like him kind of darker and creepier is is more my opinion i am i'm i would have loved willem dafoe to have had a shot at Gollum. yeah yeah i could picture that voice wise yes but circus does like the physical the physicality of it Eh, you you figure 20 years ago i think willem dafoe might have been able to pull it off himself i won't argue that yeah so we have their whole uh, journey. They, uh, what do we get? The, yeah. the dead marshes. Then they end up at the Black Gate. The Black Gate's cool. That's a yeah. that's a cool scene. I like that. Yeah, you're um, to a lot of the other forces that are working with. Yeah, the Easterlings and the Haradrim, yeah. whatnot. Uh, I think the big one that we should definitely talk about is um, Faramir. Yes, I agree. I I think I probably talked to you about this too. I love book faramir i he is one probably the most underrated he's probably the most wronged character by peter jackson's story yes he comes off very very standoffish in the movies um i i think he's like he's i i love the the book character i I, he's one of my favorites in this book he's one of my favorite characters in two towers Absolutely. I, I, I totally mobile, agree with he's you. gracious. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be, um, I think the, in one of the pod, token podcasts I used to listen to, the, the comparison was Denethor was supposed to be a Numenorian, like quintessential, like the bloodline was very strong with mm-hmm. uh, Denethor. So Denethor actually strove with Sauron and had magic and power and might enough to win against Sauron, like in a magic mental battle. Um, so Sauron had to kind of underplay it with a Palantir. And then Denethor had two sons and you have the, the two bloodlines are shown where they're supposed to be the, the men of the East meet the Numenorians and they interbreed. So what ends up happening is that you, got, you get one son of both lineages yeah. where Faramir is supposed to be like the perfect embodiment of what Numenor was and Boromir was much more along the lines of Rohan where they were kind of like the rougher um, more warlike men of the East yeah that and you definitely can tell that even in the descriptions of the two characters like you you just know Boromir is just kind of oafish like he's big and he he looks you know he has the look of the, you know the great men um he's kind of he's more he's more of a brute and then you get to faramir and they you know he's fair and he you know he the the descriptions are are, are very different just in their physical in their physical appearance as well as their their personalities and their behaviors yeah definitely uh you know um faramir has one of uh token's greatest quotes as you know you talk about somebody who had you know, lived through two world wars, fought in one, his children fought in the next one. And uh, 
Yes, uh, I love not the the arrow for its uh, swiftness or the sword for its sharpness. I only love that which they defend. Yeah. And it's just, it's, uh, you know, to- people criticize Token. I know George R. R. Martin has said it for romanticizing war. That's one of those things of like, hey, man, like George R. R. Martin is a conscientious objector of during Vietnam. Like, you have no concept of what war is, whereas, uh, you know, Token lived it very yeah. really every day of his life. And, uh, well, and both so of I would say, I don't, not only did he live through the second, but wasn't he like a correspondent during the Second World War? I don't think that he was a, he was, he might have been like reporting on the Blitz or something along those okay. lines, but he, he never saw combat. He was, never yeah, no, I know, I know, I, I knew he didn't actually fight, but I knew he, he was still like on the, on the side. He might have been, yeah, before. I was going to say, I, I think he would have been in his 50s around the time that um, Lord of the Rings took off. Um, so I, he uh, probably would have been late 40s, early 50s during World War II. So I don't think they would have been calling up. He might have been like a reservist or part of the home guard or something along those lines. But uh, I don't think he had any direct interaction in, um, in World War II. I know his, um, I think it was son, um, Christopher, was in North Africa. And let's just take a minute to think of the authors we have that fought in World War One and two. <laughs> Was it, uh, and some of the some of the literature we have from that, uh, you go from Hemingway to uh, Old Doll. Yep. Um, uh, J.D. Salinger. Yep. Um, Churchill, and then of himself was uh, what's been about. He was in World War One, and obviously during World War Two, and a hell of an author before yeah. and after. <laughs> Yeah, he's prolific in the amount of writing. Well, yeah, I actually, uh, I just had recommended to me um, um, Five Came Back as a, it's a documentary series where they're interviewing um, contemporary successful um, uh, directors. So like Scorsese and and, uh, Spielberg. And they're talking about the directors of the greatest generation. And there are five directors they go through like John Houston and so on, who actually funnily enough, John Houston is the voice of the cartoon Gandalf. Yeah. Um, but he was in world war two and they're going through and talking about how world war two impacted their uh, directing style, which I thought was like, Ooh, I need to watch that. That does sound interesting. Yeah. But yeah, the list just goes on and on. I'm looking at some now. Uh, Joseph Heller, Norman Mailer. Like we said, uh, Isaac Asimov. Yep. Yep. Um, I like Asimov a lot. Very different. But yeah, getting back to Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, I, I, Faramir is easily one of my top favorite book characters in this book i mean this is his introduction this is where we see the most of him he's Mm -hmm. kind of uh he's kind of just observing through (laughs) through return of the king yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh it's a it's a great introduction i think it's a good little thing with him and the rangers in in a um 
and then from there we go through um, to uh, minus Morgul. I think is the next big beat, which I think is uh, I think is a cool description. I like that, like you know how terrified Gollum is of the dark city. And, yeah, he's just trying know. to scoot right past that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because he knows what the you know they do for fun. Yeah, yeah he's been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shire Baggins. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, and then we get the stairs of Kirithundle, and that's uh, again we talked about that. It's one of my favorite parts. Is the you know Gollum, um, you know, coming up with the idea of you know screwing them over. I love his his fantasies of when he gets the ring and he's like, "I will overthrow Sauron, yeah. and I will be Gollum <laughs> the Great. <Yeah. laughs> Eat fish we'll fresh from the sea." three yeah. times a day yeah yep. and it's like this this guy could not be the lowest of the low worms yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. has the delusions of grandeur i i oh it's awesome yeah but again he, you know he had like we've mentioned he had possession of the ring for 500 some odd years i think yeah i think between him finding it and bilbo i think it was roughly 500 yep um, and he never so, did a damn thing with it is my yeah, favorite no. part no, it just tortured him. <laughs> i'm like oh once i get it back that's when it will really be good <laughs> i literally misplaced it in my home but when i get it yeah. back <laughs> yeah. his home is also like a mud hut on an <laughs> island in a mountain i misplaced it in my home nobody goes but when i get it things yeah are gonna exactly happen. <laughs> things are really starting to cook for me you know i'm, I'm really getting this thing off the ground <laughs> yeah, golems politics um but before we leave faramir um there was a line we we spoke i forget in which episode about the uh the insults like the sneaky insults tolkien can write yes yeah, oh, yeah how, how witty they are and faramir when when they're leaving when he's, he's letting Frodo and Sam part. And uh, he says, I do not hope to see you again on any other day under this sun. <laughs> it's like, yes, this was great, but I hope to never see you ever again. <laughs> yep. It is. It, it, it's another, he's got, he's got a couple of great ones. Um, but yeah. Um, trying to think, we got the stairs of Kirithangle and then uh, we go to Shiloh. He's yeah. another one of my like all-time favorite villains. Terrifying chapter. Like as far as the horror that we that Tolkien writes, that's that chapter is genuinely scary. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think they do a great job in the movie of it, but they don't they don't have like the true blackness, like the the complete blindness that yeah. you know Frodo and Sam have to go through, which I actually I mean obviously yeah. it's hard to display that on a on you a movie that whole scene looking like the Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um I it, I think it's so much better that that Sam kicks Gollum's ass for the you know <clears throat> really does and uh, I love that Gollum's like a good fighter but he cannot put up with like Sam when he's really bad yeah. and Sam Sam's literally like fight. I've been waiting to do yeah. this for yeah. so long <laughs> um, and then he like breaks his uh, uh, the staff Ramir gives him across his back 
And that's yeah. when Gollum, like, yipes and just runs away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that whole fight, that whole chapter is really good. And and it, and it's a lot of and it it's a it's a really one of the chances for Sam to shine, both with Absolutely. Gollum and when he's when he's processing what happened to Frodo. Yep, I mean, and the fact that he's the only thing, man, woman, elf, dwarf that ever harmed Sheila, and it's like a direct child pretty, of a pretty goal. badly too. Like it is <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, exactly. To the point of where Sauron is like, I'm not messing with her. Like, I'll, you know, I'll do tribute because she's a good guard dog. But yeah, like, yeah, even Sauron's like, hey, yeah, yeah. I know what Ungolian did to. You can uh, stay here and eat my people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll give you a couple of goblins when I'm bored. Yeah, he felt he was contented knowing no one could sneak into Mordor that way because of her. And Sam, I also love that Gollum doesn't. Oh yeah, it, it, I I was just gonna say that I love that Gollum uh, tries to you know screw them over, chips her like a goddess, and it's yeah. very like oh you know I'm just gonna pick apart the bones because how could she ever want the ring? She's a spider. She yeah. doesn't wear rings. <laughs> oh man, I do. I love that character so much. Yeah, he's. It, fantastic so so much to that character absolutely um, and then so we get with frodo i mean sam beats the crap out of everyone yep beats the crap out of Gollum. it fights off the most terrifying one of the most terrifying villains you know, monsters in the whole in the whole book yeah, exactly. Like, uh, Mary has a great moment fighting the Witch King of Agmar, whose power is that he inspires terror yes. through magic, which is haunting. Yeah. Um, but then you have, uh, what's it called? You, like, Sam is literally, like, fighting nightmare fuel. Battling something that Sauron doesn't even want to deal with is, it's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Uh, and then he, you know, he processes everything that happens with Frodo. We find out what really happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the orcs start to come. And f- then we get Sam putting on the ring for the first time. I, I love that the ring has other powers, too. I like that. Um, I, don't, I don't love Peter Jackson's version of every time you put on the ring. Like, you know, you're, you're basically just dropped acid. Like, it's, I want... Like, because Bilbo used to pop the ring on, just turn invisible for a while and scuttle about. And I feel like you should kind of be able to have that to a degree, and then it gets worse the closer you are to Mordor. But um, I like that Sam can put it on, be tempted, but he also has, like, the magic listening and translation device that yeah. it is. <laughs> All of a sudden, he understands the orc language. Yeah. I like to think that one of them has a crazy French accent the entire time, though. <laughs> Um, I like I like the description, how, like his point of view from wearing the ring. Like he's just like I, I can't see all that well. Things yep. are just hazy. Yep. Instead of instead of the other times we see it with the mm-hmm. Peter Jackson movie, and the, how strange it gets when he when Frodo puts it on. And um, we talked about this at length in on your show, the Bakshi one, when he puts on the ring, 
Yeah, he just goes to a different dimension. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. It's just a chaotic nightmare. Yeah, it's. I I, I wish that I had nightmares as bad as that. <laughs> like it was absolutely haunting. It's it's the it's just chaos. It's it like is. it's like Alice in Wonderland, the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> And in the boat scene in Willy Wonka, and it's all just blended into one. <laughs> oh man, that is such a good description of what it is. And so I, I like that we get a different version where Sam puts it on and he's just like, I can't see all that well. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't and it doesn't overtake him. It doesn't like a little bit when he in, in the next book, it doesn't like he hesitates a little. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't hold it. its power over him right away. Exactly. Yep. Doesn't um I could have sworn that this um two towers ended with we thought that Frodo had died. I thought the orc thing was all return of the king. Did I jump ahead? You might have jumped ahead a little bit. I could be wrong. Well no, because we see all the orcs. No, so yeah, so the, the very last line is Frodo was alive but taken by the enemy. Oh, okay. All right. So I, all right. I was definitely wrong. I, I, for some reason, I had it in my head of like they play up that Frodo dies. And I, I would love that for the, you know, you got to wait until the next book comes out yeah, to no. find that the Frodo is actually alive. But I, I, I do get the and, idea of he, he can't keep killing people and bringing them back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it ends and Sam is, um, he's following the orcs through the tunnel, through the, the tunnels in Shelob's lair. Mm-hmm. He gets to like the one confusing one where like they seem to just walk right through it and he just walks face first into a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, he knows Frodo's alive at that point. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I, I enjoy the, the two towers. I think there's a lot, there's not like, there's not the super specific moments in the book, mm-hmm. but like a lot of the scenes take longer. A lot of the story points take longer, like your Entmoot that takes four chapters. Um, and then the whole, like going around Rohan. Yeah, it's then, a lot of traveling. It's a lot of setting the pieces up. But I, but I like a lot of it. I like the characters you meet in this, in this, in this book with Theoden and um, Faramir more specifically. <clears throat> but uh, no, I would definitely agree. It's got a it's got a fabulous battle that uh, is very underrated. Token writes it really well. His um his battle scenes are excellent. He you know the movie has a lot to to play with because there's such specific descriptions of what happens um during the battle and like you know Aragorn fighting and actually killing and uh, what's more called the number of orcs that Gimli and Legolas are calling out. Yeah, yeah, they're keeping track. Yeah, exactly. It's it. it uh, I think that's the only thing that we didn't get into a ton of, but it, it, it's something that um, yeah, we kind Peter of Jackson movie time. did 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 so well that I can't um, I can't really argue. I, I my, my only beef, and I mentioned this again before with you and Ellie was uh, Helm's Deep in the book is just fought by the the men of Rohan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and in the movie, you've got a whole a whole forest of elves that show up, a whole species of elves. 
and every single one of them dies. Yes, yes. They're <laughs> very all conveniently. They're all done for. They're just like the pawns. <laughs> I yeah. I we talked about this in the when we discussed the Bakshi version, but I just can't freaking stand the the concept that every single Rohirrim dies except for five of them, and Gimli doesn't have an escape plan. And yeah. it's just, I, I don't, I don't love that. Uh, it's too convenient to me. And I, I think um, it was definitely a thing with Peter Jackson's version. If they try and drive the odds are so against them and it's so how miraculous they pulled off another caper yeah. and it's just kind of like, Hey, you know, you can just have a close battle and then have like a couple hundred guys live. Like, it's still going to be awesome. Yeah, um, for sure. But, and 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 that's not like the thing I, said. I didn't like the movie. I, I like the Helm's Deep in the movie. Um, there's a lot of a lot of it's like the 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 cannonball thing, the gunpowder. Um, yeah, like perfect. And as and as silly as it is, Legolas snowboarding down the stairs and <laughs> and shooting. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. I love it. I hate all that stupid. It's the, fun uh, to watch. It's simple as that. But I love them in Lord of yeah. the Rings. Yeah. And then when he gets to the bottom, he kind of just like kick flips it and it and it takes one of them out. <laughs> it's so it's so pointless and has not and it's not in the story, but it's fun to watch. It is. It's ridiculous. That created um, it's liberty. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my one major issue is that um, and it's a thing in the movies constantly is they are always trying to play up. Um, aragorn as the as the like the real hero so i don't like that um theoden is not the one to convince uh aragorn it's aragorn's the one to convince theoden you know i don't i don't love that theoden has this moment where he has like a pr shot where he goes down to defend the gate for 10 seconds gets stabbed in the (laughs) arm and it's like ah i gotta pull back hurry up it's like there are guys (laughs) yeah exactly there are guys getting their brains smashed in and they're still fighting through the corpses. You have children throwing rocks. Yeah, throw and the king rocks gets a little like, yeah. <laughs> he gets stabbed in the arm and she goes like, ah, you know, put them <laughs> look, higher. Look, it's like, oh, are you an engineer too? Look, I got hurt. I'm going back to safety. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know, he has this whole crisis of confidence where he's sitting there, you know, soiling himself. And doing the whole, you know, what can one man do against such reckless hate? Like now, in the um, what's we call it in the books, he has the, one of my all-time favorite lines, which is, you know, he looks at Aragorn and says, "I, you know, uh, I will not be caught like an old badger in a trap. You know, ride out with me." And that's when Aragorn goes like, "Oh yeah, like he kind of, you know, goads Aragorn like, if we're gonna make an end, we're gonna make an end worth a song. Let's go." Yeah. And that's when Aragorn, you know, decides to charge out with him. And I think that that's probably the biggest loss, I'd say, for the for the movie. But other than that, the, I, I do. I love the battle. I think it's spectacular. No, I agree. I agree. I think we, we kind of skipped right over that. I got talking about Gimli's description and we got sidetracked with that. <laughs> it happens. But yeah, and to, to your point about Aragorn not being sure... We touched on that before about how I like I like in the book that he's a little less sure of himself than the movies. Yeah. He doesn't he he's not like he doesn't just decide and know he's making the right decision. 
he's, he's second guessing and he's not sure of himself and he thinks he keeps screwing everything up. And uh, that kind of plays up to the whole like, you're not Is- Isildur himself, you're Isildur's heir, right. which is a theme that they start and then stutter stop and then start and then stutter <laughs> stop a bunch of times. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of conflict between him and Theoden that they make for the sake of conflict. And yeah. Theoden is 100% right when Aragorn's like, we're all going to die. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, like that's not what they need to hear right now, dude. Yeah. What are you insane? <laughs> Just roll over and die. Yeah, exactly. All right. So after that little backtrack back to Helm's Deep, I think that's pretty much the book. Was there anything else you could think of to talk about? I can't. No, there. Um, we always miss something. So I'm sure there's. Um, you know, like Gollum's song in the fishing pool, I feel is a is a major <laughs> classic moment. But uh, aside from that, uh, no, I think we, we covered it pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, like I said, for me personally, I do thoroughly enjoy this part of the series. I understand your reasons for not enjoying it. Um, oh no, 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 no! I thoroughly well, I, enjoy. I, it. I, say not I enjoy it less than the other yes, two. Yes, yeah. Yeah. To be clear, that's what I meant um i will when we do when we talk about return of the king i will i will explain my reasoning for why i enjoy this one so much um Mm -hmm. and i'll touch on return of the king but um last episode we did the trivia i quizzed you on your yes extensive lord of the rings knowledge so if you're what can i say what can i say oh bring it on you got more i will oh i got i actually have done this I have more questions for this one than I do than I did fellowship. I mean, I, I think the only one I seriously got stumped on was Tom Bombadil's elven name, which yes. is one line yes. in the fellowship. I wrote, so. I, I wrote it down and I, I don't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I am confident enough to face any question that's foolish enough to face me. It's your, 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 your go-to your go-to confidence builder for, for Lord of the Rings trivia? Absolutely. I gotta always quote Dwight Trude. <laughs> so we'll start off with a couple. I think I have a few easy ones and then one or two that might be a little more difficult. Some of them this are is gonna be so demeaning if I get some... all of these wrong. <laughs> no, some of them are literally gonna be served up on a tee. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bring it on. Let's let's start with um what does Sam call Gollum and Smeagol in his head? Not really out loud. Uh, but stinker dead. and slinker. There you go. <laughs> um, who are the two orcs that that um that are constantly fighting throughout the beginning of the two towers? It is Ugluk and Grishnok. All right. I I don't think like if someone ever asked me that, even reading this now, I just. I just re- repeat an onomatopoeia and hope for the best. <laughs> um, that one's too easy. What causes Pippin and Mary to grow? Why did I even write that? Um, who's the young Who's the young Ent that they stay with during the Ent move? Uh, would that be Quickbeam? Yeah. Well, this one... So I'm sure you're aware how, how knowledgeable Stephen Colbert is 
on Lord of Lord. course yes like he's like <laughs> known for being so smart this tripped him up but i think he was able to answer it uh where is the entmoot held in fanghorn there's a specific area inside of fanghorn the welling hall or near the welling hall let's see if this rings a bell dern dingle no never really? <laughs> never would have gotten that that, that was, was that was the answer to it because i think um i think billy boyd and dominic monaghan asked him that on his yeah. show and and that was the answer and that that was like it took him a minute but i think he got there no i don't uh that's one that like i don't feel bad not knowing <laughs> yeah you don't just... care for the end mood you no it's not it's not one of my favorite parts so it's not something i read like insanely closely um this one's kind of a, a deep cut but you do see his name a few times what was the name of theoden's doorman that allows gandalf him with his staff and then he he's one of the fallen at helm's deep uh there's gambling and hammer are the Hama. two yeah Hama's the one i had yeah uh What's the name of the cave slash waterfall Faramir takes the hobbits to? Oh, it's the... Um... <laughs> That's going to be the question you curse at the beginning of. That's what you did. You did that on the Tom Bombadil on last episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's the, uh, the... It's like the sacred pool of blah, blah, blah. And I don't... I, it's like the sacred pool of Athelion. So it's the... It's, the window of the sunset, but there is like a, a proper name for it, and probably in the common tongue, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, Henneth Anun. Yes. Yep. That's one that like I probably should have known. So. Um. So I'll, I'll serve up us uh, an easy one before I get to one that you'll probably get, but it is a little tougher. Uh, what gifts did Faramir give to, uh, bequeath? to Frodo and Sam on their departing. Uh, they gave him stabs. Yes. Staves, yeah, you mentioned it earlier because Sam yeah. broke his over Gollum. <laughs> Which is a great way to use it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gift well received. Um, so the last one, and being as knowledgeable as you are about the whole history of Middle-earth, I think you should get this because I think it's only mentioned like once or twice in the book. Hmm. Uh, what is the name of Shelob's mother? Ungoliant. You got that way quicker than I would have expected you to. I hate you. Because <laughs> uh, have you read the Silmarillion? Yes, yes. She's but, uh, so important. She's the one that destroys the sun. She yep. almost kills Morgoth, which I is Sauron's boss. <laughs> I read it a while ago. It's been it's been a couple of years since I've read it. Um, That's but true. I, I, I think you reread it when we were working at Barnes together. So that would yes. have been a couple of years ago at this point. Point. yeah um so i think that does it oh i had one more but um who are the men faramir left with frodo and sam to like watch them during their their little battle in the woods oh i have no idea wow damn i wish i had played that one up more and ended with that one yeah i, I don't know. <laughs> and it's gonna be names that i probably know too yeah because they're, they're with they're with faramir like the entire time we we we're with him yeah. in the book. It was uh, Mablung and Damrod. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say, because Mablung definitely gets mentioned more than once. Yeah. I don't know if Damrod does. So I do, yeah, I probably should have at least been able to pull one of those. But uh, I, that does it for my my two towers trivia. Yeah, that was, uh, I did worse on that than I should have. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I stacked the deck with that Dern Dingle question. Yeah, that's, uh, that was kind of horse. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the like one line on page five hundred and sixty-seven. You, you know, <laughs> well, I like, think, yeah, I, of course not. I, don't, I, think does. The, I think the actual name is mentioned a couple times, but it, you, you said it's not a part of the book you care for, so no, it's, I think it's yeah, mentioned like exactly. two or three times. That's about it. Yeah, on the same page. And it's <laughs> Within one paragraph. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they arrive at Derndingle, have the Entwood at Derndingle, then leave Derndingle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's frankly some of his worst writing. It's, <laughs> it's very lazy. <laughs> very, very apocryphal for the entirety <laughs> of the book. Yeah, so that does it for, I think that brings our two towers conversation to a conclusion. The rest of my questions I have in my notes app are for Return of the King. Ah, okay. All right. We're, we, we're cooking with more already. Let those stew a little bit. I'll, yeah. uh, you know, get all my trivia juices flowing. Yeah, <laughs> start studying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you're listening to, oh, you're listening to Two Towers right now, right? Yeah, that's what I'm, um, where am I? I just got to, um, Gandalf just came back. So I'm like at the very oh, fairly the, early probably, on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why I was a little bit rustier on this trivia than I should have been. <laughs> I, I got you at the perfect time. We're going to record Return of the King before you get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. Haha. <laughs> 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 um, no, I, I finished Return of the King again yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I read a good amount of the annexes, but uh, I got to the end of the at least the story and then just browse the annex. Oh, the appendices are brilliant. Yeah, I the love appendices, them. not the annex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the appendices are great. It's it's and it gives like a really a good. I mean, it's like sixty pages, but a good summary of a lot of the history. Yeah, uh, especially like the Numenor part. I always love, but you know what? We're gonna we'll save that for Return of the King. Yes, yes. Um. So, Ben Hunt of the Enlightened Podcast. Yeah, would you like to talk about that and promote yourself? Of course. Um, I'm a brilliant, wonderful person, obviously, because you've listened this far and you've been wowed by the utter genius of this podcast. <laughs> wasn't what I thought. Wasn't what I had in mind. But okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you if you enjoyed this podcast, we do uh, a lot of uh, similar type podcasts, certainly on. Um, token and lord of the rings we also do you know every major franchise but the enlightened podcast basically just it's a haven for the nerd kingdom uh you want to argue about the beatles or marvel or star wars you know that's uh that's where we're at you can uh find us at the enlightened podcast uh at gmail.com is our email if you have any comments and we're the enlightened pod for any social media that you could ever imagine you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of the above. We're working on a Snapchat. I just keep saying that. I don't really want to make a Snapchat. Uh, but yeah, yeah. go someone give us a listen. Someone mentioned doing a TikTok to me, and I was like, I 
don't even know what that, I'm too old to even know what that is. So. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of half convinced that that's going to, you know, take over the world. I'll, I'll like enter in TikTok and then my bank account empties. <laughs> sounds, sounds like it would happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate this again. Um, so everyone go listen to the Enlightened podcast. We had a very fun episode on the animated Lord of the Rings from the from seventy eight. Yeah, I, one, well, actually, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a fun episode. That uh, definitely, definitely a, a lot to talk about on that movie. Um, yeah, and we'll have thank you for having me. You're welcome. We'll 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 be talking again for the two towers. Oh no, we just did the two towers. The Return of the King. There you go. We'll be talking for that, and I will join you again for hopefully more lord of the rings on your show and uh, i call dibs on the books so um and whatever else you want to talk about you know you know our nerdiness lines up in a lot of ways so it does it does <laughs> happy to join you when i can and um a quick thank you to chris galley of beantown action podcasts for uh helping us out with the recording tonight i do not want to forget to mention him i've mentioned him in i think every podcast i put up just like i do you hey right very happy to have good quality audio on uh, at least one of ours. <laughs> Each one we've done has had its own minor issues, but you will get there. Minor, major, catatonic. Yeah, no, if people hear major, they're not going to go back and listen. So minor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just got to sell it like they're, they're it's genius. Perfect. Like, no, 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 no. It's, like, it's a perfect. Beatles thing. It's meant to be yeah. like that. Yeah. We recorded at a professional studio. All right. Yeah, well, that's uh, exactly what it was. This, this was a blast again, and I can't wait to, uh, to talk again with you about The Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. Anytime. Hello again, friends. That wraps up the episode of the Sense of Shelf podcast, where I'm speaking to Ben Hunt about The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. Um, that the very beginning, I, I really had trouble keeping myself together. He, he came into it with an energy I did not expect. And I ended up backing away from the camera because I was laughing so hard and trying not to get it on mic. Uh, but we really, we really enjoyed that conversation. It went longer than our last one. It went longer than the fellowship and we had some fun. We did our trivia uh, we talked about our favorite characters. We both really love Lord of the Rings, so I have a lot of fun doing this. And the next time you hear Ben and I together on this, we will be talking about the last part of the book, The Return of the King. And I'm excited for it. There is a lot that happens in that, if you're familiar with the book. Uh, it's a very good one. It's a, it's a lot, a lot that happens it's very dramatic. It's very action-packed. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun to talk about when you hear it. So again, um, listen to the Enlightened podcast hosted by my friend Ben Hunt, where he is trying to create a podcast haven for us and our nerdiness. Uh, he'll talk about Star Wars, Harry Potter, um, Marvel, you know, a little of everything. He started the conversation about Token 
him and Ellie had a conversation about Tolkien before we switched over to my show and talked about the book. And um, you can check out his episode about (laughs) the 1978 Lord of the Rings cartoon. It's him and Ellie and myself talking about it. And that was a very interesting conversation. Uh, But please support him and his podcast. I enjoy it. I enjoy appearing on it. And I enjoy him talking to me on mine. So again, go to the Enlightened Podcast. Give him a subscribe. Go to his socials. Follow, like, do all that stuff. And also do it for my friend Chris Galley and the Beantown Action Podcasts. I believe he has a recent episode up of the show they call Distinguished Gentlemen. It is him and three of our mutual friends. And they just kind of hang out and have a great, enjoyable conversation together about life, about music, about sports, about really whatever it is that that, uh, that comes up during that conversation. I enjoyed the last episode. So again, go to Beantown Action and support my good friend Chris Galley. Do the same thing for him. Just follow the podcast. Um, go to his, go to the socials, like, subscribe, follow, do all that stuff for him. And lastly, do all that stuff for the Sense of Shelf podcast that you just listened to. I'm available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, uh, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, um, on most apps. And if you don't find me on the app you use, someone else told you about this and you can't find me on your app tell me and i will i will remedy that so again that's the sense of sh- well it's not the um it's just in in conversation you say the sense of shelf pod but just search sense of shelf on your podcasting platform and go to my socials sense of shelf pod and that's for instagram and twitter or you can email me sense of shelf pod at gmail.com. I I welcome any comments, reviews, uh, anything you want to talk about. And please contact me if you have a book you want to discuss. If you've enjoyed the conversations I've had so far and you want to talk to me about whatever book inspired you or whatever book is your favorite or least favorite. Um, I have some hot takes on my least favorite books that are I mean, renowned works of literature that I could talk about. Uh, So if you got something, your favorite, your least favorite, something that inspired you to do something, let me know and we can record together. I would love to talk to listeners as well as talking to my friends and family. So again, I appreciate you listening. This is the Sense of Shelf podcast. My name is John Wesley. And please join us for the next episodes. Uh, I will be finishing up Lord of the Rings with The Return of the King. Uh, I'm reading A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving right now at the request of a future guest. And uh, I can't wait to record those, and I can't wait for you guys to hear them. So again, Sense of Shelf Pod, my name's John Wesley. Uh, email me on Gmail, Sense of Shelf Pod, or Sense of Shelf Pod, IG, and Twitter. And I would love to hear from you. Thank you, and God bless.